You're listening to Little Girl Dreams, a podcast by Chelsea Reed. Join me to talk about the disability and the support from family, friends, and the rehabilitation team. Hello, it's Chelsea Reed here again, and we have Dad interviewing me. So introduce yourself, Dad. Hi, I'm David Reed. I'm Chelsea's dad. <laughs> so today we're gonna have a a Q and A. I put up on Instagram. Ask me any questions. Right. And they, the top questions. Right. Okay. So we're gonna walk through those questions today. Yes. Okay. Well, let's go. All right. So uh, it's about. It's just a little over two years since this all happened to your child. Yes. And a lot of people have been interesting how, interested in how you have mentally coped with all of this. Yes. I am so lucky I'm alive. Yeah, that's a big plus. Yeah, yeah. And have you had any um, mental um, counselling or anything like that that's helped you work through this? Or have you just sort of worked it yourself? No, I had a... Counsel, well, not counselling, a psychology right. at the hospital because I had to. And I was like, why do I need counselling? And mm. everyone's just like, you have to go to counselling. Like, you're depressed, you're like so anxious. And it's just like, I'm actually not. Like, Well, I think because you improved so rapidly and yeah. you've done such an amazing job in um, recovering from the stroke that you didn't need that mental help. It, it, it's also, I'm interested also, this two-year period has included a, almost a whole year of COVID. I know. How has that affected you mentally, COVID? Well, I'm so, so, so lucky I had a stroke before COVID because, mm. out, like, imagine having a stroke, you can't see my family. Yeah, that would have been bad in hospital. Yeah, so... But now I'm doing speech online and physio and OT, like face-to-face. So yeah. I'm fine yeah, with okay. COVID. So back to the um, the mental side of things and just trying to understand some of the questions people have asked in response to your podcast is, what was it like in the early stages when you were trying to speak or move? Assume you're back in hospital... And um, you uh, have been told that you've had a stroke and you're having difficulties speaking or moving. Just talk us through what that was like. I think for the, like, first year, I'm focusing mainly on physio, so... Come back to the first day. First day? If you I can't remember, remember the first yeah, day, yeah. but the whole thing, my whole family is just like... Um, speech therapy, speech therapy is like, no, I really want to go to physio because I need to walk rather than the wheelchair. Yeah. And everyone's like, what? Like, I thought it's like speech therapy, OT, and then physio. And then I said, no, physio is my first, th- my first pick mm-hmm. and then speech and mm-hmm. then OT. But now I can walk. And then speech comes first again, now. Yeah, yeah, it's the priority now, whereas walking was before. 
I must say it was um, it was wonderful seeing you transition from from being in a wheelchair and unable to walk to being you know to being able to walk on your own. You you, you could um, in the early stages uh, sort of shuffle with holding on to something. Yeah. But so you were never completely. Um, paralyzed and and but it, but but yeah. seeing you move into um you know walking and and being there and seeing you do it was fantastic and i could see the emotion that it was bringing for you too yeah but back to the question um i think my speaking is not phased me in the early days i think the movements like yeah well, it was hard to communicate with you with your speech the way it was back then. Yeah, but I thought it's, like, not funny, but, like... It was hilarious. Yeah. Sorry. Some of the... I mean, it, it, hilarious looking back now at the time. It, I was... Yeah. It was... Um, but, you know, you were... You had a... Um, like a standard response to anything, which was, I like to eat. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, what time is it? I like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's my name? I like to eat. Yeah. Um, there was also another... It was something around the E... Um, yeah, Eden. E- Eden. With yeah, it, that's Hayden. Not, yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> and mum was cat and dad was dog. And <laughs> it was all a bit skew-if there for a while. But we're past all that now, so... Um, I think the, the interest of the listeners is... is how you felt when you were unable to initially move or speak. And I think you, you just pushed through, you know, you, you, you were walking reasonably quickly, I must say, um, and speaking, you're able to communicate. I guess the word speak is a bit, um, a bit of a higher level, you know, speaking is different to communicating. You could communicate from the outset we knew that's very very true like communicating and speaking is yeah. different well over the last two years i've also noticed because i don't live in the same area that you do when we're talking it's way easier to do it on facetime with you yeah by video because i can see what you're trying to say yeah i can't <laughs> understand what it is that you're saying whereas if we were on the phone and you were speaking and I couldn't understand it I had mm. no way to identify your facial uh, that's really true yeah. yeah so I mean I think that question you know what's it like to speak how, how did you feel with your speaking is a bit of a misnomer it's it's the communication yeah and then speech is um is the two steps to it all yeah um next question well there's a general question here that someone sent in were you scared what was your feeling? Um, again, I don't I don't think I was scared, not at all, but maybe I was scared about what is happening with me, like it's just like because I can't really Mum said that I, I can I know that I had a stroke, but I don't remember. Um mm. and everyone's like, Oh my god, Chelsea, you're okay, you're okay and it's just like yeah, but um excuse me, what happened? Like Yeah. I think the um, <clears throat> it's interesting that um, the question of 
of being scared, I can tell you that your whole family was completely petrified because we were told that you were going to die. Yeah, well, I think were you scared is not me, it's my family because I was pretty fine. I think you were okay. You were certainly um, seeing the... um, you know, you were in hospital, you're surrounded by medical equipment and doctors, um, so there would have been an element of fear, no doubt. Yeah. But the main scare, the word scared, I think your family was scared. I know your mother and I were certainly scared. We were told that you were not going to live. The yeah. other aspect that was very, very difficult was that because of the type of injury that had occurred to your brain it had a very big chance of happening again. And we we had to be very, very careful about the way that we reacted around you. So you were in intensive care. We asked to come in and see you. We were told that we could do that as long as we kept it together and didn't lose it in front of you. Because if we lost it in front of you and you reacted, that would trigger or could potentially trigger another incident so that was extremely hard we were very highly emotionally charged and then your mum and I are in the corridor trying to psych each other up to go in there (laughs) with a big happy smile when 20 seconds earlier we were just in you know we were very very concerned for you so that was the fear the scare question was around us causing you to have another stroke yeah, by virtue of the way we're reacting to yeah. our daughter that we love very much. That was a bit tough. That's not the question that's been asked by someone that's listened to your podcast, but I think you weren't that scared. It was... Yeah. You had the people around you. You had the medical attention. I remember my friend come to the hospital to meet... Well, not meet me, but, like, um, ca- catch up with me. And I can't speak... And George is like, hello, do you remember me? And I just like, nothing. It's just like, I'm Chelsea, I'm um, Georgia. And this is like, nothing. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to go. This is like, George and phone haters is like, she doesn't remember me. <laughs> yeah, well, there were all those sorts of um, examples, Chelsea, because um, I don't know if you remember, but in your hospital room, because you were there for three months, we had photos on the wall with names underneath yeah and you had a book also of photos with um with people's you know a photo of each person and the name of who they were so that you could um identify yeah particularly those big group photos you you had you and hayden had quite and have quite a solid group of friends that you go away camping often with yeah all of those people are in the photo with um with their names underneath yeah i seem to recall so it's so lovely like my yeah. friend. So I think the the scared question, um, you internally, you didn't seem to be scared. I think you were very much, but that's your persona to, um, you know, get on with it. Uh, this has happened. Okay, let's deal with it. Yeah. Move forward. I think those around you were scared. Your friends yeah. were scared. We, your parents were scared. Your family was really scared. So. Okay, next. Um, so someone asked you, what is your first memory after the stroke? So I you spoke about this the other day. Yeah. You got up out of bed and sung out to Hayden, or did Hayden recall that in your... No, well, 
Okay, so maybe after my operation, I don't know, like my first memory after my stroke, I don't know, I can't remember the exact point. It's just like I remember, like yeah. maybe my family come in, like yeah. I remember you and mum come into my room. Maybe that's the first yeah. recollection. Yeah, well, it's an interesting question because um, the word memory is, um, you know, what is your first memory after the stroke? Well, which to me makes, you know, your memory was sound because you remember me as being your father. You remember me as being um, someone who's always trying to, you know, direct you and guide you. <laughs> so therefore, <laughs> you remembered who I was. You remembered as soon as I walked in. Yeah. That, um, your memory, I think, has been unaffected by the stroke in the end. Not think, you know that. Like... I, I, I know that. Um, yeah. But the question that's been asked is what? what's the first memory that you have of the stroke? I think it's a bit of a blur the morning of the stroke seems to be a bit of a blur as to specifically and the ambulance mm. and what yeah. have you. But, yeah. but, but your memory all the way around it is fine. You remember all of the family members, all of your friends, mm-hmm. all the animals, all the dogs, cats, <laughs> birds, goldfish. We were talking about the goldfish the other day. <laughs> so I think your memory's okay. Um, I'm not sure if that answers the question, but... I think so. I'm trying not to answer the question for you as well. No, I think I answered it reasonably. Okay, the next question is, was rehab frustrating? Did you ever just want to leave the hospital and go home? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny because looking back, I am so, so grateful. My rehab team said, stay at hospital, stay at hospital. And like, I remember... One day, I phone everyone saying, home, home, home. Yeah. And everyone's just like, no, you got to stay at home. I mean, sorry, stay at the hospital. And it's just like, oh, it's just, I called like my brother. And it's just like, you stay at the hospital. It's just like, oh, fine. And then I called Hayden. It's like, home, home, home. It's like, no, no, stay at hospital. It's just like, next one, like. <laughs> You were going through the phone list. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get people to come and pick you up and take you home. Seriously, but I'm so thankful that I stayed at hospital for as long as I can. Like, Oh, that's no doubt, Charles. We, we, you know, we didn't... Um, we were all... Your whole family was on the same page to maximise um, your recovery meant you had to stay in hospital. That was the absolute best place... You could have been in the Gold Coast University Hospital. People were just fantastic to you. They were unbelievable. Your, yeah. Your, the care they gave you in the rehab was awesome. And so that, that was the best place you could possibly be in those first three months. You were getting daily rehab. You were... Um, there was also this this cloud hanging over us about the potential for it to happen again. That was the thing yeah. that we needed to be very careful. And if it did happen again, we, we didn't want you anywhere else other than absolutely in that hospital yeah so and i think the gold coast hospital is the best place ever not ever in the world but like it's yeah. it's really their care um, for you was yeah. super duper there's two parts super this duper yeah yeah it was it was out of this world um i think there's two questions here chills um 
did you ever want to leave the hospital and go home? But that's that's the second part of the question, and I think you've answered that. Yes, you wanted to go home, you know, constantly. But we all and you agreed in the end. I think that you want that the hospital is the best place for you to be. So the the other part of that question is, was rehab frustrating? It was not. Um, yes, it was, but it's not. My team is so good. Like, I love my team, but was it frustrating for myself? Yes. Like, I remember I got a video and I was crying and you just, like, exercise. Well, like, I was in physio and you said, work on your leg, no, your arm. And I was crying, crying. It's just, like, keep, like, working. It's just, like... (laughs) Well, see, that's a part of an answer to the question, Charles. I think rehab was frustrating to you. Yeah. Um, I think particularly the OT stuff was frustrating. You know, these simple tasks that the guys were trying to get you to do, you know, around the kitchen, around the house, was frustrating for you. But um, you've identified a part of the, the question, which is the frustration, and that was... We tried, that's between mum and I and, and the family, to have someone with you each day. So, therefore, the majority of the time when you were doing your exercises, you had yeah. someone with the family with you who was pushing you along and had enormous support. Yeah. I know myself, I found myself trying to crack jokes. Yeah. You know, so... It's like, it's not funny. <laughs> it was, you know, so... Some of the leg exercises, as you say, your right side was pretty badly affected physically at the start. So some of those leg and arm exercises were difficult, but, you know, we kind of made fun of it. You know, the, yeah. I don't know if you remember. No, There I was remember. a little beanbag that you had to do with your arm and you had to, I can't yeah. remember, throw it against the wall. And then you and I had competitions trying to break the beanbags against the wall. <laughs> so these sort of things, I think, broke the frustration. I think that's a message for anyone who's listening to the podcast who might have a family member who's going through um, the the rehab is to try and, you know, break it up. I, I, the other memory I have is after you came out of the hospital and you were going to Mwollomba Hospital for your rehab, um, your brother and I came up here and we went to um, to your um, physical rehab up at the hospital and they happened to have a, a basketball yeah. uh, <laughs> hoop. We're a big basketball family and we um, we found ourselves playing a game that we've um, we played lots of times out on the road called Horse and um, <laughs> Chelsea beat me at Horse. <laughs> With one arm, so I had to uh, had to do a lap, and those of us that know what the lap means, oh no! <laughs> uh, next question: What is it here? Um, what was it like being in the hospital? Were there any young people on your ward? Oh, that's a nice question. Um, being at the hospital was hard, but was. Is it any young people? The whole ward is n- not old. It's old people. Like, yeah. I had a... What is... It's not the stroke ward because after my stroke, me and Hayden was walking down to the food court and I seen Hayden's friend who was in the hospital as well in the same ward. Do you know? Yes. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God, 
Because I think that fellow had had a car accident, had he not? Yeah. And I was so um, thankful for this young person. There was another young person. Yeah, it's just like, oh, my God, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was interesting um, coming into the hospital, that ward of the hospital every day. I certainly didn't see any other young people there. I know you said Hayden had a friend that was there who was your age, but other than that, you were the youngest by, you know, 20 years at least, uh, from what I can remember. So it was predominantly, um, you were surrounded by older people. Um, and do you remember in the night time, it's dinner time? Yeah, well, that was the thing I was going to say. It was because there was a much older... Um, demographic of people in the ward the whole daily routine was tailored around the elderly if I can put it that way so you know dinner time was 4 30. Yeah and everyone (laughs) come over to the um the table and and eat dinner. Yeah there was a central area where they encouraged the hospital staff encouraged all of the elderly people Except me. <laughs> to, to, go, to go and collectively eat together. Now, that had a number of reasons to it. We were talking to them because they wanted all of the um, patients to see each other eating and they also wanted them to communicate. Otherwise, they were left stuck in their rooms. But it was also um, decided that you shouldn't go into that environment because yeah. you would then be just surrounded by, you know, lots of, uh, of older folk and you, you wouldn't communicate as well with them as you may with us. So you had your, um, you know, daily routine was in your room. We then got you out and, and about, but um, the, the, certainly that the age of the other people on your ward um, changed the way your treatment was managed in the ward just slightly. Mm. Yeah, it, was, it was a good yeah. thing. They, they recognised the issue and so did we. The other aspect that was difficult with the age of people uh, on the ward was um, the fact that they were awake during the night quite a bit. One of the things, obviously, oh, with really? brain injury that we needed uh. to be careful of was to make sure you were getting a good night's sleep. There, so there were particular, um, you know, we, we were working with the nursing staff to manage how your sleep was um, being maximised. Uh, at one stage, um you were in a two-person room. You then got moved to a single-person room. Um, you also... Um, just where you sat in the ward was relevant because there were people who were noisy during the yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and people who weren't. So, the, the, again, the hospital was just super-duper in, in just the little one-percenters, mm. like maximising your sleep. Mm. So the next question, um, are you in physical pain? So oh. this is this is a question that says, are you still in physical pain from the stroke? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, my, like, ugh, my shoulder and my hand and my leg is hurting, not hurting, it's like physical pain every day. Yeah, it's like a dull ache, I think you've been telling me, that's always there, but then sometimes it gets... Yeah, and um, I get Botox in my shoulder, my hand, my arm, my leg, my upper right, my upper leg, and my lower leg, and my foot. Like I'm 
dosed up and Botox um, every three months. Um, it's helping me so much. It's like my neuro doctor is like my Santa. Like <laughs> Botox Santa. Seriously. <laughs> but I think it's fair to say that... Um, that that three month cycle of Botox is starting to become um, kind of a routine, whereas before you had this pain and you were struggling as to how to manage it. Um, mm. Someone suggested Botox, one of the medical practitioners, mm. the hall, who, and then the moment you got it, you felt relief. Yeah. Um, the cycle I'm describing is that it's a three month cycle. So yeah. Know, at, at the end of that cycle, sort of weeks seven eight nine yeah and is, um you know is it, when the botox is wearing off the pain yeah. starts to come back i think the other aspect else that um we need to focus on here the question talks about physical pain i think it's important to identify just how tired you get because that's oh, every day pain is one thing but you're i mean i came to see you yesterday um and you know we had a pretty full uh, morning slash lunch and then come two o'clock two thirty. it was time for me to go because you needed to go to bed no but <laughs> it's uh it's a time every day it's just like yesterday for example it's just like dad i'm gonna drive you back home because i need to sleep and i'm thinking if i drive you back to like you know you, no, I, what you're trying to say is that You've got to plan your day, assuming yeah. you're going to get tired. Yeah. Okay, so I was staying at a motel nearby. You uh, recognised the need that we'd spent some time yesterday morning. Um, and then after lunch, because after you eat, your body winds down a yeah. little bit. You needed to get me back to the motel by car because you were going to need to sleep soon after that. Yeah. So let's go, Dad, because I'm going to need to sleep in a very short period of time. And I want to get you back. But it's not tired. It's like fatigued. Like, even if I don't sleep, I'm just so fatigued. Like, even going to physio, I'm sorry, going to speech for an hour, my brain is like exercise for my brain. Like, you can't understand, like, a frisbee back and forward, back and forward, back and forward for my brain. And it's just like, I had enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's worth noting that you were such a physically active girl before you had your stroke that it's not as if you've been unfit. Yeah. You know, and, and you were always finding yourself fatigued or, or physically tired. You, you know, you'd, you'd have a full day go to aerobics at night or yoga in the morning or you know whatever and you you were very very active and on the go without being fatigued this stroke has certainly seen you become fatigued very quickly yeah but you manage it very well that's the point you anticipate pain is one thing fatigue is another and your management of both of those things is uh, is excellent yeah and even when we go away Hayden's like, do you want to sleep? It's like, no, no, no. This is like, are you sure? This is like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like, it comes like six o'clock. It's just like, I'm going to go. Yeah, well, that's the thing I've also noticed that often, you know, if you have an afternoon sleep, when I say you, when when we as a community, as a, as a human race have a afternoon sleep, then, you know, I certainly, if I have an afternoon sleep, I can't sleep very well at night. Mm. Whereas if... 
you know, if you don't have an afternoon sleep, you've crashed at 5.30 or 6. Yeah. Whereas if you do have an afternoon sleep, you can probably get through to 8 or 9 and then sleep again. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. So, Jules, that's episode Thank you for coming. Three. Thank you for coming. Oh, that's all right. I'd love to be here and I'll contribute again if I can. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye-bye.